0: wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, 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 friend. I'm TK, your tour guide to the past, and you are listening to For the Love of History, the podcast where we talk about world history, women's history, and weird history. We are gathered here today, friend, (laughs) for episode 91 the second to last episode of Season 5. I feel like the season has flown by, like flown flown, so fast. And I know the season is almost over, but please don't worry. Because today, we're going to talk about something that we haven't talked about in a long time. One of my all-time personal favorite topics, tattoo history. Can you believe that in 90 episodes, we haven't talked about Egyptian tattoos yet? How very dare I? We are going to remedy that today, friend. So, get settled into your commute or those chores that you've been putting off. I promise this will make the dishes be way more fun. (laughs) And let's get to it. I love tattoos. I love them so much. And even more so now after my brother became a tattoo artist. Hey, bubby. Love you. Because they're so cool it's art that you put on your body. They tell stories and they have important meanings or sometimes they don't and it just means that you had an extra $200 laying around somewhere. It doesn't matter. I still love them. But one thing I do not love about tattoos is the fact that they can't be easily preserved. They're jam-packed with so much history and culture and really tell you so much about the time period in which they were done. But Time has a nefarious tendency to fade them, and humans, they don't live forever. (laughs) And when we cross the Rainbow Bridge, they're gone. Unless you are mummified. And despite the fact that skin is the second worst thing to preserve stuff on, the first being wood, in my opinion, because it rots, we have a ton of ancient tattoos from all over the world. The oldest being our friend Otzi, the Iceman, who's about 2,500-ish years old. But Utsi better watch out because there have been some recent discoveries that are coming for his crown. And this, dear one, is where our story starts. We are traveling back in time to Egypt, and Egyptian history can be broken into a lot of different time periods, like 12, to be exact, because the ancient Egyptians were around for, like, 3,000 years, and there are still indigenous Egyptians in Egypt today, which just adds to the history. So for us in this episode, so we don't lose our minds, we are going to be focusing on pre-dynastic Egypt, which was about 6,000 years ago, and old slash middle kingdom Egypt, which is about 4,000-ish years ago. Okay? Okay. And I know this is still like a time span of 2,000 years, but that's, that's as small as I could get this window of time. I did, I did my best. With all of the cool stuff in ancient Egyptian culture, the pyramids, the sphinx, and mummies, the boy King Tut, and all of the other pharaohs and such, Egyptian tattoo history wasn't really high on the archaeology priority list. Before the 2000s, it was believed that tattooing in Egypt was a very limited practice. Louis Kamer, who was like the Egyptian tattoo dude in the 20th century, wrote that all tattooed women in Egypt were prostitutes of dubious morality. Side note, anybody can have dubious morality, Louis. Don't be rude, okay? Okay. But I digress. It was believed that only women and only prostitutes were tattooed in ancient Egypt. So in the 1900s, when the Egyptomania was going on, and people were excavating the crap out of Egypt to find stuff, particularly mummies. These male, derogatory, archaeologists would find these mummies with tattoos and assume that they were just dancing girls, or they wouldn't really even take notice of the tattoos on the mummy's skin. And these mummies were kept, but they were definitely cast aside to make space for more important, air quotes, important research. The focus was on finding pharaohs, and more quote-unquote important mummies. When six pre-dynastic naturally mummified mummies were found in the 1900s with tattoos on them, they wouldn't be examined for another 100 years. In the last 20 years, more articles have been published on ancient tattoos than in the entire 20th century. This is because of the increased popularity of tattoos, new technology, and the fact that archaeology is no longer exclusively run by the colonizers! After the super gross Egyptomania ended and people had time to like step back, take a breath, and be like, okay, maybe we should look at Egyptian history and archaeology through a different and less Western-centric lens, New research began and older and less famous mummies, like the Gebelin mummies that had been found at the beginning of the 20th century. Remember those six naturally preserved mummies that were just like tossed aside? Well, turns out that they held some juicy, juicy history secrets. In 2018, the British Museum, where all six of these Gebelin mummies were held. Surprise, surprise. Archaeologists began examining these mummies more thoroughly, and on two of the mummies, a woman and a man, smudges were found on their skin. And when they took a look at the smudges under infrared radiation, Zim zala bim, tattoos appeared. But TK, you said that the other archaeologists said only dancing girls got tattoos. You are correct, dear one. That mummy man was the first piece of evidence to prove that Lewis's theory was wrong. And it doesn't stop there. These tattoos that they found were not just lines and dots. Nay, nay, dear one. They were full-on images of animals and other cool stuff, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Another theory that Lewis and the boys came up with was that only women of the lower class had tattoos, that it wasn't what dignified ladies of high rank would do, making the connection that tattoos were not dignified or lesser than and somehow immoral. But sorry, not sorry to Louie, they were wrong. Dead wrong. So wrong in such a big way that it gives me righteous goosebumps. In the royal burial ground of Deir el Bahiri, one of the most impressive structures in all of Egypt, which was commissioned by a woman pharaoh, Hatshepsut. You know her. We love her. We've done an episode about her. Archaeologists found some lady mummies at Deir el Bahiri with tattoos. And only high ranking people, such as priestesses or royal concubines, could be buried there. The temple, built by a woman, with women in it, with tattoos. Ugh! 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 I love it. It's so cool. <laughs> so now we have two examples of tattoos that just break the mold of what people previously thought. The man and the woman from pre-dynastic Egypt, and now the two women found at Deir el-Bahiri from the Middle Kingdom period. These two ladies are actually the best preserved example of Egyptian tattoos that we have right now. Their tattoos are very similar to our pre-dynastic friends' tattoos, but also a little bit different. They too had images of animals and pictures and things, but they also had geometric shapes and patterns, which matched pretty closely with the markings found on fertility dolls from the Middle Kingdom and other mummies. Mummies like regular regular people mummies, which suggests that tattoos were for all kinds of people and were not separated by class or gender. Was the Sphinx 10,000 years old? Were there serial killers in ancient Greece and Rome? What were the lives of transgender, intersex, and non-binary people like in the ancient world? We're Jen. And Jenny. From Ancient History Fangirl. We tell you true stories and tall tales of the ancient world. Sometimes we do it tipsy. Sometimes we have amazing guests on our show. Historians like Barry Strauss, podcasters like Liv Albert, Mike Duncan, and authors like Joanne Harris and Ben Aronovich. We take you to the top of Hadrian's Wall to watch the Roman Empire fall at the end of the world. We walk the catacombs beneath the Temple of the Feathered Serpent under Teotihuacan. We walk the sacred spirals of the Nazca Lines in search of ancient secrets. And we explore mythology from ancient cultures around the world. Come find us at ancienthistoryfangirl.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello everyone, Stuck here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Tattoos, man. Tattoos have run the gamut of social meaning. Sometimes they're cheeky little accessories for Victorian ladies or meaningful religious pieces or used to mark criminals. And when two cultures come together, it's really hard to not put your own cultural values and morals on another culture. And this is a constant struggle for archaeologists and historians and anybody really When archaeology was just starting out, colonization was still going strong, and the social values of the West were often applied to new findings, just like Lewis and the boys when they were theorizing about Egyptian tattoos. But we've come so far since then, and through new technology, new research, and less biased exploration of tattoos, archaeologists have come to find out what the meaning and significance of these ancient tattoos most likely were. So let's get started with the pre-dynastic man. When looking at his mummified skin under the infrared camera, they found a bull and a Barbary sheep tattoo on his shoulder, which in ancient Egyptian culture was used as a symbol of male virility and strength. So it was a pretty pretty straightforward idea. He was a dude. He probably wanted some strength upstairs and downstairs as well. (laughs) such a, oh my god, this is a bad joke. Anyways, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Okay, get it together. However, the woman's tattoos are much less straightforward. On the Gebelin woman, they found four S shapes drawn vertically over her right shoulder, and on her right arm is a curved line. The meaning of these tattoos are a little less straightforward and I'm going to read what the researchers themselves said to the Smithsonian. The line resembles objects that appear in ceramic depictions of ceremonial activities. Researchers think that they might be sticks, batons, or clappers used in ritual dance. It is also possible that the curved line represents a crooked stave, which was a symbol of power and status. The s-motif also appears in pre-dynastic pottery, and while its significance is unclear, some experts believe it emphasizes or connects different elements of a composition. So not super straightforward, but most likely connected to ritual activities or magical cult stuff. And even though we don't know a lot about the Gebeline tattoos, their discovery is super significant because it pushes the timeline of tattoos in Africa back by about a thousand years, which is bananas. So what about those dear El Bahiti baddies? (laughs) Do you like that name? (laughs) I just thought of it right now. So do we know what significance their tattoos held? We sure do, my curious little cat. Unfortunately, the mummies of Dear El Bahiti were subject to grave robbing, and they're not in the best condition now and when they were found. But archaeologists were able to piece a lot of things together and find at least 30 tattoos on one of the bodies. The tattoos are on the neck, shoulders arms and back and a lot of them are symmetrical like if it's on one shoulder it's on the other shoulder if it's on one side of the back it's on the other side of the back one of the really interesting things about these tattoos is that they were placed not only symmetrically but also in places that people would easily see even if the woman was wearing clothes And they were also in areas that would require someone else to put them on, meaning they were meant to be seen and that someone in ancient Egyptian society was providing these tattoos. Among the 30 tattoos were images of baboons, cobras, a lot of wadget eyes. You know, they're like the very typical, like, Egyptian got the eyeliner around and, like, the little droppy-downy loopy thingy. Um, I'll put a picture up on Instagram because that is a terrible description. Um, There were also symbols of the ureus, which is a symbol for the goddess Wadget. There were some beetles, some Hathor cows, which I absolutely love because my favorite animal is the cow. And there was also lotus blossoms on her lower back, Which I love, and of course I'll be putting. (laughs) Ah, my goodness! I'll be putting pictures of all of these tattoos on Instagram. So there are a few different meanings that can be interpreted from these tattoos because of their placement and what they are. The tattoos around this woman's neck are particularly cool because the neck was considered super important and very vulnerable. Ancient Egyptians often wore amulets for protection, so one idea is that the tattoos on her neck were like super amulets to protect from disease or other bad stuff. Another idea is that they were used for magic. Oh yes, oh yes, dear one. Magic. Magic was a big part of Middle Kingdom culture, and some spells required contact with skin, particularly ones that dealt with healing from sickness. So one would assume that, okay, this lady was sick and so she got these tattoos. However, this woman had no indications of being sick at all. So researchers were led to believe that this was a preemptive protection and that this woman was actively involved. In magic and healing. She's like an ancient Egyptian witch, which is so cool, so freaking cool. This idea then led researchers to the conclusion that the two baboons sitting on her shoulders, on her right and left shoulders, were connected to the god Thoth, who is known for using Heka, which is basically Egyptian magic. And I'm gonna read this next part straight from the research paper that I read because it is so freaking cool. Moreover, the combination of the seated Thoth baboons with the wadjet eye in a magical context is well attested since the Middle Kingdom when it started to be used on ivory apotropaic wands and other magic objects. P.S., by the way, apotropaic (laughs) means protection magic. I did not know what that meant, so I had to Google it, and now I'm telling you. Anyways, what? Magic! Oh my god! Yep. Egyptian magic. It seems that the main purpose of these particular tattoos was protection and to be used in magic. (laughs) That's so cool. It's so cool. And if you want to read more about the very specific meanings of each tattoo, you can totally go check that out in the show notes. I will leave a link to that research paper there. Because just like today, there isn't only one meeting for any. One tattoo. Some of the other tattoos represented fertility or protection in childbirth. Some represented the cycle of life. Others are to venerate gods and goddesses like Ra and Hathor. And that's just on this one woman. I'm sure that in the future, with more research on ancient Egyptian tattoos, we'll find out more and more of the meanings behind these seemingly impermanent ink marks. Which is really cool because that's exactly how it is today. One person can have a ton of tattoos, each with their own meaning, whether it be deep or just for funsies. One person's rose tattoo can mean something completely different from another person's rose tattoo. It's And it's really, it's really comforting to know that people have been doing the same kinds of things for literally 6,000 years. And hopefully people will still be getting tattoos for thousands of years to come. Well, my delicious little donut, we have come to our final thought. My email people and see what they say shenanigans have happened again. While I was researching, rech- re- when I was researching, <laughs> oh my goodness! While I was researching for this episode, I was reading a paper about those two pre-dynastic dummies, dummies. Oh my god, TK, stop it! Those two pre-dyn. Oh man. Okay, we're back. Those two pre-dynastic mummies and found a link to the profile of one of the researchers. So I saw if they had an email on that profile and they did. So I emailed them (laughs) and I was like, Hey, we'll come talk about your mummy tattoo research. And they were like, yep. (laughs) So I'm going to interview her this summer. (laughs) I'm so excited. Um, I cannot be stopped. This is a, PSA for all of the researchers and authors of history things and archaeology things out there, if you have contact information on the interwebs, I will be emailing you. I will. Well, dear one, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, We had a bit of a rough outro there. <laughs> I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy it, please consider sharing it with your other history BFF or leaving a rating or review because it really helps the algorithm gods that be help other history lovers find For the Love of History podcast, which helps me make better and more content for you. So it's really just you're helping yourself. You're helping yourself by helping me. (laughs) and if you want to get your hands on some super cute for the love of history merch you can head to the link in the show notes season five merch is super cute it's university themed and my favorite design so far and i'm i'm actually wearing my season five sweater right now it's so comfy you can also support for the love of history by joining patreon The saga of the slideshow films is happening over there and uh, the next Sleepy History episode will be out on Sunday as well as a bonus episode on Monday. So many things are happening. So head over there for more history BFF goodness. And last but certainly not least, head over to the Instagram to find out the dates of our first For the Love of History lecture by yours truly. There are two dates available, one on a weekday, one on a weekend and so thank you for spending time with me today and before we go remember to do something kind for yourself give yourself a hug drink your water and I will see you next week for our season finale with a special guest brought to you by chaotic emailing (laughs) okay love you bye why is there a metronome right now okay (laughs)